Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Justin Trudeau apologizes to a British Columbia First Nation for skipping reconciliation events. Why not in person, sir? They invited you. When might a new cabinet be sworn in and parliament resume? We still don't have any firm timelines. You know, the intergovernmental affairs minister in the last cabinet, Dominic Lebon, still that job for now. Uh, suggested you know, it'll be in the next couple of weeks for the the, cab- the new cabinet swearing in, and, and you, you, understandably, there's some time taken around that. Does it need to be three or four weeks? Uh, not sure about that. And with continuing questions about Aaron O'Toole's leadership, the Conservative Caucus prepares to meet on Tuesday. Pierre Polyev is and Jenny Byrne are, are leading the uh, the attack against Mr. O, uh, Mr. O'Toole, and that's going to that they're they're formidable characters. So we'll see what happens. It's Monday, October the 4th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics, Peter Van Dusen. Good morning, Peter. Morning, Mark. So Prime Minister Trudeau has spoken with the chief of the First Nation in British Columbia for not following up on an invitation to spend Truth and Reconciliation Day with them, um, of course, as, as has been widely reported, the prime minister spent the day on Vancouver Island uh, on holidays with his family. Um, so do you think that puts that issue to rest now? Yeah, I don't know. My, you know, I'll borrow words from, from the prime minister. Um, the issues will be put to rest when, you know, the people aggrieved, Indigenous Canadians decide they'll be put to rest. So I think we watch to see whether the apology uh, uh, to the chief of the of the Kamloops area First Nation will be enough. Um, but I mean, I, on the broader issue, Mark, you look at this, and it's you know it's an it's it's another one of these unforced errors uh, for the prime minister and the people around him. I mean, it was sort of you know given everything we've heard from the, the Liberal leader about um, and the prime minister about the need for reconciliation and the need to be serious about it, the need to make it a priority. This just seems odd that on the day of the, the first day of the, you know, for National for Truth and Reconciliation, uh, you're not taking part in public ceremonies. Instead, you're, um, you know, you're on a plane to meet your family at Antofino. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what flight paths are like in this country, but uh, I suppose it's possible he flew right over the reserve uh, yeah. or the First Nation on the way uh, to Tofino. So it, it makes you wonder why there wasn't a built-in stop there and then go on to Tofino later that evening. But the apology is the apology. The, the, the broader question to me, Mark, is the unforced error in, in the context of all the work that, uh, you know, during the election campaign, the Prime Minister said needed to be done. And so, you know, the cabinet swearing in is pushed out a few weeks, longer than a lot of people thought it would take. You know, Parliament's going to be recalled later this fall, in the words of uh, of the Prime Minister. So, um, you know, it makes you wonder about the, the whole context of urgency of an election, urgency to make these big decisions, uh, urgency to tackle these major issues before the country, and then a lack of urgency around uh, getting down to work and making it happen. As someone suggested to me on the weekend, things like, you know, the the flying to Tofino instead of taking part in the in the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation will just sort of heighten, you know, speculation and commentary about uh, how zoned in uh, Justin Trudeau is to, to the job. 
and whether he's in it for the long haul. Uh, he says he is, but there's a lot of speculation from people that uh, he, if he can get the minority government to last, you know, maybe three years, maybe by 18 months or two years, he moves on and, and another leader takes over. Mm. This, These kinds of things will only, you know, heighten that speculation and it. Yeah, and just quickly before we move on to what's happening with some of the other parties, um, what's the latest on when Parliament will resume and when we'll hear the details of a new federal cabinet? Yeah, I mean, it's still we still don't have any firm timelines. You know, the Intergovernmental Affairs Minister in the last cabinet, Dominic LeBlanc, still that job for now, uh, suggested you know, it'll be in the next couple of weeks for the the, cab- the new cabinet swearing in and... and uh, you, understandably, there's some time taken around that. Does it need to be three or four weeks? Uh, I'm not sure about that, but there are some key posts that need to be filled and perhaps some existing ministers moved. So uh, some thought has to be given to that, but uh, that we should see before, as the Prime Minister has said, before the end of October and before the end of fall uh, for the resumption of Parliament. You know, if I'm a betting man, I'm suggesting that that's probably you know um late november uh, mid to late november uh possibly early december you know there's some parliamentary calendar things in there the remembrance day off week for the house of commons and then uh, the uh, you know it's funny that we're already talking about this now but you know the christmas break typically the house wouldn't sit longer than than mid-december uh before uh, taking a break for christmas so that window in there suggests you know maybe uh, you know, late November, um, early December for two or three weeks, and then uh, there'd be a break, and then the house would get back uh, in the new year at the end of January. All right, let's turn to what's happening with the Green Party, Peter, and um, it, it feels like it just keeps getting worse. Uh, and uh, Annemie well, Paul, of hard, course... Hard to believe that, isn't it, Mark? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, uh, watching a party completely uh, self-destruct yeah. in an election campaign and leading up to an election campaign, you'd think, well... Nobody can top that. And, you know, I don't think this tops it, but, yeah, uh, things just keep going from bad doors. Yeah. So Elizabeth May, the former party leader, says Annamie Paul, who has just stepped down as the party leader after all kinds of internal tensions and strife, uh, May says Paul is hurting the party by remaining in control of its communications. Um, She also said, by the way, she's not going to be the interim leader. Um, and she wants Paul Manley to take that role, even though he lost his seat in the recent election. So um, what's next for the Green Party at this really troubling time for them? That's a good question. And I suppose, you know, it, it partly, it mostly gets answered uh, by finding it pretty quickly what's next for enemy Paul. After suggesting she had informed the National Council that she was resigning, uh, Elizabeth may seem to put that in dispute, whether or not she's actually resigned and actually stepped down. I don't know how you can resign and step down and hang on to the party communication apparatus, but that seems to be what's going on. So what was a very messy public fight appears to be going to be even a messier, even more public fight as as this this goes on. The idea of Elizabeth May's idea of, of Paul Manley uh, being the interim party leader, I, I think a lot of Greens will will like that. Uh, he's contributed a lot to the party. Uh, he did lose his seat, but in the past, uh, you know, the Greens have had after Elizabeth May stepped down, uh, their interim leader was a non-elected in, individual too. So, um, you know, I, I think that could work for the party. But the party first needs to get sorted out. Who's now in charge of the party? 
if the party is going to start the road to recovery and try to rebuild and try to you know get back on a solid footing it's got to do that very quickly it's got to put this behind them but if it's not clear who's still running the party uh, that's job one all right and in uh, continuing on that theme of of who's going to be running the party who's going to be the leader uh the conservatives have their first caucus meeting since the election tomorrow and of course there's been talk about uh, what's going to happen with Aaron O'Toole? There have been people defending him. There have been those who have been saying he needs to to step aside, let somebody else lead the party. Um, it'll be very interesting, I think, to see what what people are saying on their way into and out of that caucus meeting. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see for sure what kind of caucus meeting it is. Whether it's uh, you know mostly virtual, whether it's some in person. Um, and it won't, you know, it's it, it's such a big moment for for the party after an election. It won't like take long to uh, hear what people are saying about um, what happens next for Aaron O'Toole. Uh, you know, the party will probably he, he's encouraged them to adopt uh, the Reform Act, which was proposed by a conservative, Michael Chong, which allows uh, the caucus uh, to take a vote on whether they want to review the party leadership. They they could do that as early as tomorrow. They could make that decision. Uh, and then, but, but that ne- wouldn't necessarily guarantee uh, that he'd be in any, any trouble. It requires uh, 20% of the caucus to say they want to look at the leadership, and then there might be a leadership review with a with a with a caucus vote, uh, which could then uh, you know uh, still endorse O'Toole's continued leadership. So uh, there are some procedural things to go through but you get the sense you know in, in the first few days after the election there was lots of talk about uh, what went wrong and Aaron O'Toole's you know struck uh, um, you, you know uh, an internal uh, investigation like maybe that's not quite the word but a review of yeah. what worked and what didn't work for the campaign and then it's been you know it's been relatively quiet for the last little while uh, you know about his his time as leader so this will this will revive the leadership discussion uh, but i'm not sure it goes much further than the caucus meeting i get the sense at this point that um you know those who wanted to vent and wanted to raise concerns about his leadership including the member of national council and the and the petition that circulated uh that uh, that was their time to speak out. And for the moment, I think a lot of conservatives want to see, okay, if Aaron O'Toole is sticking around, what's his plan for sticking around and trying to win the next election? There's still a lot of uh, runway on this story, I think. If, if Aaron O'Toole can't make a compelling case, uh, he's the one who said Justin Trudeau is going to call an election in 18 months. If he doesn't make a compelling case for why, uh, beyond the caucus meeting, why he needs to remain as leader and what's his plan uh, to go win the next election if he couldn't win at this time, uh, then there'll still be some doubts around his continued leadership. All right. It's going to be an interesting week, even though Parliament's not sitting. Um, still lots of, of uh, interesting events ahead of us. Peter, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts today. Great to talk to you, Mark. We'll talk again. At CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. I just asked myself whether this is um, something that I wanted to continue, whether I was willing to continue to put up with uh, the attacks I knew would be coming. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Jamie Watt argues the Greens have driven themselves to the brink of irrelevance. Watt writes, Annamie Paul's departure is the culmination of months of turmoil and backbiting by the party at a time when it already faces the threat of extinction. When she first came on the scene, she injected some vigor into a party increasingly lacking in purpose. 
She seemed to understand that the party needed to change to overcome its turmoil at the time. After what the party has done to her, so publicly and viciously, there may now be no turning back. In the Toronto Sun, Candace Malcolm argues a very big week looms for Erin O'Toole and the future of Canadian conservatism. Malcolm writes, The first caucus meeting following a losing election is not exactly a happy occasion. Some members, I'm told, are fuming mad. They feel betrayed by Erin O'Toole. If O'Toole wants to stay on as the conservative leader, he needs to not only prove it to caucus this week, but also make it up to the base, many of whom feel abandoned and betrayed. In the Hamilton Spectator, Vina D. DeVetti argues against being sympathetic to this People's Party of Canada. She writes, Some political commentators have suggested that the PPC deserves representation in Parliament. Ultimately, these sorts of views legitimize racism. Members of our government should not ever use their offices to legitimize and ultimately help spread these views. Members of the PPC are high viral shedders of this psychological virus. And if we do not act against it now, we only have to look south of the border to know how easily a once ridiculed man and his fringe movement came to occupy the highest office of the land. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, October the 4th. Tune into Primetime Politics every weeknight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.